Welcome to episode number 121 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I am your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. At the Engineering Management Institute, we believe that in order to be the best civil engineer that you can be, you must consistently get better. Get better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we published this free podcast to help you do just that. In this episode, I will be bringing you with me to visit with Bill Thompson, who is the president and CEO of Urban Engineers of New York. We'll be talking about his career journey and what has factored into his success and his progression from engineer to CEO. He will also talk about how his engineering management degree has helped him. So let me set the scene here a little bit by telling you a little bit more about Bill. As president and CEO and a principal owner of Urban Engineers of New York, Bill Thompson directly oversees the company's growth and operations. Also, as senior vice president and chief operating officer of National Services for Urban Engineers, Inc., and a member of the board of directors, he oversees all of their offices in national geography. So he's overseeing a lot. So it was a very interesting conversation in that regard. He continues to serve as principal in charge on major national transportation programs in this role. He directs all major public transportation, national consulting, and mega project program management services, in addition to supervising all office leadership. He has played a key role in the growth and development of the firm's program management and railroad and transportation divisions and is a national leader in the management of large-scale projects, including New York City's high-profile One World Trade Center, LA Metro, Eastside Access, and Second Avenue Subway. The latter two are the largest public works projects ever built in America. And what's really cool is that in this interview, Bill breaks down how to manage projects in a very kind of simplistic framework. It's not necessarily easy to do, but he gives a simple framework that I never thought of as a civil engineer myself practicing for the many years that I did. Bill is inspired by his personal hero, his father, a construction company president who he will speak about during the interview. And Bill earned his bachelor's degree in civil and environmental engineering from Clarkson University and a master's degree in engineering management from Drexel University, which, as I said, he will discuss. Before we get started, this is a free show, and our sponsors help us to keep it free, so please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. A big thank you to EMI's newest podcast sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a privately owned, multidiscipline engineering firm with 950 employees in 32 offices nationwide and growing fast. Mazer Consulting's engineers, planners, surveyors, landscape architects, and environmental scientists provide professional services to a diverse client base across the public and private sectors. Headquartered in New Jersey with projects coast-to-coast, Mazer's offices are strategically positioned to provide comprehensive services to meet their clients' needs. Mazer Consulting is committed to the success of their clients and employees I'll tell you more about our new sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a little later on in this episode. I also just want to make an opportunity available to you. Here at the Engineering Management Institute, we spent the last two years really trying to understand 
how engineers become successful managers. We hired an outside data analytics company. We've done quite a few surveys. You may have participated in one or two of them. And we're building a diagnostic tool with this data around the four key drivers to successful engineering managers. The opportunity I have for you is very simple. We've developed this diagnostic tool, but it's in the last stages of development this summer of 2019. If you'd like to be involved in this case study, it will give you the opportunity to diagnose yourself in these four key drivers of successful engineering managers that our research has uncovered. But not only by assessing yourself, we will give the assessment to all of your reports and your supervisors. You can get a really good 360 look at yourself and you're going to get this information and it's a great opportunity. So please consider being a part of this case study for our current management abilities potential diagnostic tool. To do so, email Betty, Betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Again, that's Betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. This episode is also on our YouTube channel in video form. I went to Bill's office. I have to say, Bill was great. He took the time out of his very busy schedule. Him and his staff welcomed us in. They made it very easy to sit in the conference room there. A beautiful outlook of New York City behind us. And you could check that out on our YouTube channel. Just Google Engineering Management Institute YouTube and you will find that episode there. All right, without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Bill Thompson. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Bill Thompson, Urban Engineers, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. So, Bill, thanks for having us. You're one of the leaders here at Urban Engineers. I gave our listeners a little bit of an intro on you, but what I'd like to kind of hear in your own words is your career progression, because as an engineer, many engineers want to go into leadership. Some, so some have a plan, some just end up there, and I'm kind of interested in your career progression. Well, thank you, Anthony. And I'm a fan of your podcasts, I have to say. I've uh, you know seen them a number of times, and they're they're really interesting and enlightening in terms of what you learn about people. And that's what our business is all about. <laughs> that's right. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> so I worked in our family construction business, which was a three-generation construction business, and learned how to build houses from the time I was a young man. And uh, some custom homes, light commercial buildings, libraries, things like that. And I probably had, along with my father, learned how to, uh, my father taught me how to build things. So I had that interest from the time I was really a young man. Went on to Clarkson University, one of the great engineering schools in the country, and uh, worked for, then got out of school. They have a great way of placing people. And uh, I went to work for the railroad, uh, Conrail, Hmm. and worked in Cleveland, Michigan, and Chicago. And then came back uh, after working on the railroad to work at Urban Engineers in Philadelphia and to work on the uh, Center City commuter rail connection and the airport high-speed line, which the tunnel project was the outstanding civil engineering achievement in the country at the time. Right. And that was just a phenomenal opportunity for a young man who learned how to build, was interested in building, and got into construction management. So my career started with working in the field and learning things from the ground up. I came back to urban. I wanted to learn a little bit more about design. Sure. Well, that's interesting already. Just even at this early part of the interview, I think something to highlight that's important is 
Bill is at a very high level right now of leadership in an engineering firm, but it's obvious that he grew up with very hands-on experience. And I always think, especially in the civil engineering world, and I feel like I'm saying this in every episode, but you can't get enough of that hands-on experience, especially when you're younger, that gives you kind of that 360 big picture view of projects, of people, mm -hmm. of how things work that only add value when you're standing on a site or when, better yet, when you're in the office talking to a client and you can visualize what's going on on the site because right. you've been there before. So that just must have been invaluable. That experience must continue to help you to today. It does. And really, it's all part of any time you have a challenge. We always, in the civil engineering world, we always tell people to go out, feel it, touch it, visit the site, do those kinds of things because it puts a frame of real reference to the problem solving that we're all very good at. Right. So you came back to Urban for design experience. And then I uh, progressed through my career at Urban uh, as a railroad and transit leader in the firm. And then we obtained some uh, very large nationwide uh, Federal Transit Administration contracts where we were overseeing very large projects. Right. And um, after that, I uh, was promoted to senior vice president when we were asked to take on some of the big projects here in New York City. And um, that was a great step up in my career. And in 2011, we uh, began to structure a transition with the company and with partners for our New York operation here, we purchased this company and then uh, we went 100% ESOP with our Philadelphia firm. So when you were in that stage of that you just explained, getting involved in some of these large rail railway projects, mm -hmm. were you of the mindset of, I want to be president of this company or I want to be a high-level leader in this company, or were you just an engineer developing, learning about everything? When did that cross your mind? I was always very interested in marketing and developing business because of my work with my dad. Okay. You know, I mean, my we were always on in the construction business. We always had to answer the call for the client, the job, right. the invoice, the right. <laughs> no, it's good experience. That job needs material. Right. <laughs> I would say I always had it in the background. I knew, and as we all do, we learn what we know and what we don't know. Right. So we have to, you know, continue to study and practice in the area of the business that we try to provide expertise in. My area of expertise would be public transportation you know, okay. right now. So at what point was it that you really became part of the executive leadership team? So it, between uh, 2000 and present, in the uh, 2014 timeframe, we culminated that, started the transition from the original leadership team to a new leadership team. And, okay. And uh, then in March of 2015, we purchased this company. And we really act as uh, leaders in both firms, and, and it it's a tremendous organization. I've worked here for a, a long time and I've got great uh, partners and leaders and, and others in the firm that help us do a great job. So That's we're very great. proud uh, to have ascended through the third generation and uh, Ken Fulmer, my other partner and leader in the firm, has done a great job in, in helping us get there. And just for context, roughly how many people work at Urban Engineers, just so people understand what we're talking about. Yeah, so we have about uh, 400 to 450 people in about 16 offices around the country in the New York operation 
we have approximately almost a hundred people between our operations here in the field in New York City and also in our Buffalo office and then people that were, may work in other offices that work on New York projects. Got it. Okay. And I'm here in the New York City offices uh, here at Penn Plaza with Bill. And if you're listening, obviously you can't see us, but we're on YouTube as well. And we got some New York City background. Didn't quite get the Macy's sign in there, but <laughs> we're here in New York. So, Bill, you've worked on literally some of the biggest engineering projects in the world. I mean, that's, that's a statement that's true. What does it take and I know you can't give me a one-sentence answer here, but let's talk through it a little bit. What does it take to manage a project of that scale? We have listeners out there, civil engineers, that either are project managers, they're aspiring to be project managers. Some of them want to work on these big, you know, impactful projects. What, yeah. what does it take? So we, Urban was lucky enough to have served in project management roles on a number of these large projects. And, you know, there are many people on these projects and it's not one person or one group. You know, there are planners, there are designers, there's construction managers, there's project managers. So it takes an entire team. Sure. But you have to always be focused on the fundamentals of project management, which is a control of uh, time, cost, and quality. Okay. And then every decision that you make has an impact on how you control those things and then how you evaluate those things and what the impact of the overall goal of the program is. You know, that's critical. Additionally, communication, you know, effective yeah. communication is the key. When you work on very large projects, sometimes it's not easy yeah. to make sure that you're communicating well with everyone. New buzzword is trust the process, right? right. <laughs> trust the process. You have to work together you have to have a strong leadership team and you have to challenge yourself to reach the goals of the program so that you know you're persistent even though sometimes with a mega project it's not always apparent that you're achieving goals day to day right you need some point of reference to see that you are making progress right it could it may not be easy to see projects like this exactly exactly so keeping an eye on the vision. Sometimes you have to compartmentalize the goals for different segments of the projects. You know, these, when projects get to be over a billion or $2 billion, they're classified now as mega projects and you may lose sight of those projects as they extend out years, maybe even decades, mm. you know? And wow. so, so you have to understand what the goals are, consistently reinforce obtaining right. those goals and then achieve success through reinforcement of the vision of the project's goals and successes. Yeah, I can see that because I could imagine working on, pro I mean, I've worked on some big projects myself as a civil engineer, but not as big as some of these projects that Bill's managed. And I can see that that's one of the challenges as a manager is to keeping your team engaged. Like you said, it could be 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, coming to work every day, working on the same project for 10 years. Again, these projects are interesting, complex and intricate, and I'm sure there's many projects within the project but I think it would still be the manager's responsibility in some way, shape, or form, and maybe with the goals, as Bill suggested, to keep people engaged, keep them on track. And what I really like about what Bill said there was cost, time, and quality. Because at the end of the day, you could be working on a project that's $50,000 or $50 million, and you're exactly. going to have cost, time, and quality, right? You will. And you have to make sure that every decision you make, you're thinking about those metrics because every decision can impact those metrics and, and the ultimate success of the program. That's great. Now, you spoke about your father earlier at the construction company. It sounds like he was a big influence on you in terms of your career. What was it like, you know, having 
a parent working in the industry that was able to teach you and mentor you in your career? It was great. You know, my father was a great man. He was he was the third generation leader of our family construction company. And really, I say almost everything I learned about management, I learned from my father, who really was better than I am. Right. Most of the things that I do really was a sort of a true role model. But being a great listener, he was strong on details, very capable in dealing with what I call the undefinables right. in management in a positive way. So you have to be, be important. But really, most importantly to me, he was a wonderful example for our family, you know, which means the most to me. And at Urban, we consider family first is our motto. You know, family, the profession, our clients, and then our business. If you focus on the first two. Right you know, you'll be able to deal with the latter too. So that's great. We were very concerned about that work-life balance that way. And it is nice to hear that, you know, your father was kind of that mentor and he taught you. And like I said earlier, that hands-on experience we know, especially in the world we live on, is really valuable. Now, in terms of experience, I know you also have a degree in engineering management. How has that helped you? Because I get questions on that a lot from engineers, younger engineers trying to make credentialing decisions, degree decisions. And I know it can be different in everyone's case, but in your own case, how has it helped you? Well, it provides you a broad knowledge of the business of engineering. And, um, you know, our first president was a great man, Bob Olson. He emphasized that it was our responsibility to balance the business and the profession in, in every project. You know, he was a, another great leader. We've been blessed by a number of great leaders in the firm. But it's not apparent when you take your engineering management program or a lot of the education that you get upon completion that there's all of a sudden an enlightenment. You right. Know, right? You know, I'm going to manage projects. For sure, I'm yeah. going to do better. <laughs> but as you move on in your career and you're involved in businesses or companies as you are or, your, or different organizations, the tools that you learned become useful for you, right. you know, whether it's marketing, communications, banking, finance, those types of things. You know, those were really not emphasized in our undergraduate degree, which is highly focused on you know, scientific and technical, and yeah. technical things. Today, the engineering management skills that I learned in my engineering management degree probably serve to consume most of my time in the business, hmm, you know, that's, worrying that's about getting paid and, and invoicing and making sure the cash flow is there right. and things like that. That's interesting and I'm glad to hear that. And for those of you out there considering different options, you know, think about your goals, think about where you want to go in your career, but know that the business side of engineering is important. And again, we get back to that cost time quality, right? The cost and time are the business side, the quality is the engineering side. So, right. you know, every project has both of those components and you may not be dealing with as a younger engineer, you may not be dealing with the business ones, so to speak, right now. You're certainly impacting them. Mm -hmm. You may not be dealing with them until you get into a management position, but having any kind of training on things of that nature can certainly help. So right now, Bill, what's exciting to you about the civil engineering industry? There's so many things that are exciting about the civil engineering industry. I've been very active in ASCE and, and all the things that are going on in civil engineering, you know, and all the things that we've done. But the advances in computer simulation in for design, for project program management, artificial intelligence, right. you know, the ideas of things like autonomous vehicles. In fact, today I heard on that Uber and Lyft are teaming up with Waymo in Phoenix to launch the, the unmanned vehicle. Right. Uh, and whether you 
espouse a proponent for any of that or all of it. Right. You know, it's just amazing though that the things that will occur and the impacts that these things will have, these things will have throughout our our future. You know, the use of uh, photo and video material yep. today for baseline information, for data. And, you know, the other thing that's really exciting is the young staff that you hire and train are so capable and inherently they deal with this medium and new technology just at a whole quantum yeah. better than we do. So those are fascinating things. You know, there's almost an endless sort of supply of information sure. that civil engineers can deal with and how we deal with it better to solve the civil engineering problems, I think, is is really what's exciting. It is. There's a lot of exciting things here. And I agree with you on that last point. The civil engineering students coming out of school today are amazing. I mean, in terms of what these interns can accomplish, even if you have an intern for the summer. Like, I remember even, you know, when I was doing civil engineering work, I couldn't keep up with them in terms mm -hmm. of giving them stuff and teaching mm -hmm. them stuff. They would be like, what's next? I did this. I did this. So that is exciting. So on the flip side of things, Bill, what's worrying you about the civil engineering industry right now? What do you, what's on your radar that you're aware of that you're... The supply of young engineers, it, it doesn't seem it's increasing at the level of demand. Right. That's So I fear really that the perception with young people in this engineering profession is that it's a commoditized technical profession as opposed to a true profession. I worry about that a lot, that that we're not uh, viewed necessarily as a, a well-understood profession, even though it's a tremendously satisfying career. Right. You know, after yeah, all the things that we've done right. in life, you walk around and look at these wonderful monuments that have been created over much of your life, and you say, what could I really have done better, you know? So that these are that's a great thing. We also need to emphasize, you know, the STEM education. Sure. All the aspects of STEM yep. and all the things that we're concerned about with science and technology, people have not necessarily focused on communicating, educating at the early levels and, and understanding what it, we need to do to motivate and change so that our science, technology, engineering, and and math uh, curricula are attractive yeah. to young people. To young people, yeah, yeah, especially when they're competing with other IT and finance and other, other types of industry. Yeah. And those are two real problems. And I know that first one, for a fact, we get calls from companies all the time that are just trying to hire people that can't even keep up. As are we. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's a real problem in it, which comes back to the second point that Bill mentioned is you know, we got, if we don't have enough STEM education, mm -hmm. inspiring kids to go into engineering, we, there will not be enough engineers for all the exciting things that Bill talked about that are coming down, down the pike, so to speak. So in terms of your own career, Bill, what are some of the goals that you're focused on right now, being that you're, you are at a high level at this point in your career? What are you thinking about? So our goals here are to develop and grow our mid-sized company in the areas where we can serve our clients to be one of the best in the profession. And we've always tried to be best in class, and whether it's in program management or right. construction management or the transportation industry or the building facilities industry. Uh, so we want, really want to take our company to grow into a national company. We have started that but we want to grow beyond our very strong presence in the East Coast to a strong presence in Texas and California to really serving all regions in the country, you know, with the brand of urban engineers. And uh, we've been very successful with our 
in our history so far. And then also to diversify the firm's services so that we're providing planning, design, construction program management in all areas, you know, so that we can satisfy this huge emerging demand right. for, for, you know, the infrastructure needs of the country. And um, I guess lastly, you know, just to create and develop a plan to advance the company for the fourth and fifth generation. When we started, our goal was to keep urban urban. Right. You know? And um, it's always challenging, you know, but when you work in a great institution for many years, as I have, we want this institution to live on sustainably forever. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward to the next hundred years for urban. And um, you know, next year we'll celebrate 60 years as wow. a company. So that's that's an exciting time, but also to try to create a place where people can work, enjoy their life, and um, and have really a rewarding and satisfying career. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's great to hear that you guys are very forward thinking and you know thinking about strategy and the life cycle of the company. You know, beyond this generation of, of leadership. So it's certainly. A nice thing to hear. I'm sure listeners out there hope that their companies are doing the same. The last question I have here in this first segment, and then we'll go into our hot seat with Bill. At your level, very high up, you got a lot going on. One of the big things that always comes up with civil engineers that I talk to is, you know, maintaining a level of work-life balance. It's a difficult thing in today's world. We're all connected 24-7 with devices, etc. At your level, is it possible to have life work-life balance? What would you say to engineers out there that want to aspire to be leaders in a company? Is it possible? How do you do it? It is possible. I have always, and I, you know, I had the advantage of having a great dad, but I achieved that work-life balance through my family. So I always have, have an, I just have an incredible wife, my high school sweetheart. There you go. Okay, Nyack High School. <laughs> we were destined to be together. We have great kids. They have great spouses, significant others. I have grandkids. I know I'm not, wow. not, I'm not, I'm not old enough. I wouldn't I have guessed that, yeah. That, right? I also don't take myself too seriously. I think that, you know, you have to focus on what you're doing, but don't think that you're the only opinion in the room. I play ice hockey. Oh, that's great. I, uh, I run and play golf whenever I can squeeze it in, you know, get things like that done. And, well, how does that uh, work, though, right there, for example? Do you, and that's the part, squeezing it in. So do you really make a conscious effort to try to do these things on a regular basis? I oh, mean, yeah. you have to, right? I mean, I do. We ran the Broad Street Run on Sunday okay. and um, try to squeeze in a, uh, a game of hockey once a week if I can. Okay. But, but it's... None of that takes precedent over an important business right. activity, of sure. course. But I stay very busy. I really do. I have That's a full good. agenda. And that helps also create the work-life balance. You know, you, you, whether it's a social activity with your family, making sure that you attend all the events and do all the right things, or being, making sure you follow through on your commitments at work. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that... To your point there, I do think the personal mindset or outlook, like you said, trying not to take everything too seriously is an important aspect of this because you may work a lot, but your mindset and outlook can certainly drive your work-life balance. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to work a certain hours a week to have a good work-life balance. It means that you're enjoying each of those things when you're able to experience those things. And I met Bill once at a luncheon, what, a month or so ago, and I contacted him and he said, yeah, come on in, do the interview. He's very happy to share his time, which again, tells you something about someone in Bill's position, interested in giving back, sharing advice. And I would imagine that all that stuff and that mindset really plays into your overall career and satisfaction. It does. It really does. Yeah. It really does. I enjoy it.
enjoy the relationships. Yeah, that's uh, relationships are everything in our profession. I mean, you know yeah. that just from you know yeah. growing up in the building industry, being on sites, right. dealing with people every single day. Yeah, um, it's a critical component. So. We're here with Bill Thompson at Urban Engineers. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to put Bill on the Civil Engineering Hot Seat. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. I hope you're enjoying the interview with Bill so far. I really enjoyed this one and I think he gave a lot of really good information that CEs can use in their careers. But we're not done yet. We're going to put him on the Civil Engineering Hot Seat now and pepper him with a few last questions. But before we do that, I do once again want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. Mazer maintains a culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy comfortable work environments, continuous career advancement, and the ability to impact society not only through the projects they work on, but the company-sponsored activities available to them. Mazer Consulting is on the cutting edge of technology and their opportunistic approach to expansion creates personal and professional growth opportunities across all areas of the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. One current exciting opportunity available at Mazer Consulting is a traffic engineering project manager position in New Jersey or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to oversee projects in the public and private sectors of varying size and complexity throughout the Northeast region. To learn more about this opportunity and others, visit Mazer at MazerConsulting.com and find out why Mazer Consulting is consistently named a best place to work. And be sure to tell them that you found them through the Civil Engineering Podcast. And I just want to say real quick, I worked for Mazer Consulting for over 10 years and everything that they say in these spots is totally true in terms of really caring about their employees and being a big proponent of professional development. In fact, I'm sure that Richard Mazer's dedication to that is one of the reasons that I got into this field because I saw the value of really, you know, investing in people and developing engineers and their leadership skills. So I just wanted to kind of add that in there. All right, it's time for the Civil Engineering Hot Seat with Bill Thompson. Let's do it. All right, so we're back here in New York City. We're here with Bill Thompson at Urban Engineers, and it's time to put Bill on the civil engineering hot seat. Bill, you ready? Yes. All right, first question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime routine, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that contributes to your success? I do. I get up around 5 a.m. I have coffee, a banana, multiple vitamin, and orange juice. Okay. And um, I get the uh, daily word which is a little biblical expression from my wife. It's a tradition that her mother started many, many years ago. It's okay. really a nice spiritual message. Sure. It's not long, but it keeps you well grounded no matter what you're doing. You know, if you just have a few minutes right. just to read the daily word, you understand then what today is going to be about. And you get it every day, right? I get it every day, okay. yes. Yeah. So I keep a to-do list, and I try to accomplish things on my to-do list. But I remain very flexible for changes because I know that inevitably, right. every day, I'm going to be dealing with changes. And that's a key element of what our jobs are. Yeah. Not to be just focused on your to-do list. Yeah, I was going to say, welcome to civil engineering, right? Every day is completely different and right. you get curveballs right. every day. But. And then lastly, I, you know, I take time to maintain the personal relationships every day. You know, and sometimes it's, it's not easy to fit those in, but it's very important to take time to talk to people and maintain those personal relationships. So I do that. And, you know, pray. I mean, listen, I'm a big believer of routines 
helping people to be successful. Yeah. Don't have to be hours every day, but no. things you do, like you said, the daily word is a short grounding, but it's consistent. It is. That's where I think that yeah. these routines can help you because you do it every day. It helps you to get into some kind of rhythm and then you can be successful. So those are great. Thank you for, for sharing those with us. What is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you have found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? It doesn't have to be engineering related. The one thing that we did, our second generation transition occurred, was we put our leadership team through Dale Carnegie. Okay. And uh, so the Dale Carnegie Golden Book is really something that I would say is, is really very interesting. It's, um, the principles are time-tested. They're, it's how to treat people right. right. It's not, so we all work in teams. Nobody does a civil engineering project by themselves. Right. So you have to treat people Right. And these principles are just common sense. Common sense. You know, it's really like are, the golden yeah. rule, yeah. you know. <laughs> so those are principles that I actually have referred to sure. over time. And I keep that with me all yeah, the no. time. It's just interesting. You wouldn't think that it's a simple book like that would be something that could guide you through your profession, but it really can. Also, you know, I'm athlete been involved with uh, coaching motivational books by Scotty Bowman, okay. Wayne Gretzky, okay. John Wooden. Sure. You know, I love those kinds of things. I like reading about naval history. I think history is important for where you've been and where sure. you're going. You know, you should refer to it in your own business. You should refer to it in, in the future. And um, the one thing that we learned at Dale Carnegie was uh, don't criticize, condemn, or complain. So if you have a team and you can get people right. to all act without criticizing, condemning, or complaining, you have the beginnings of a process for success. That's great. And that's exactly what I, I love hearing frameworks like that because it's easy for people to remember. And when you're in a meeting, you can remember those three C's and you know right. focus on that. And it's funny, we've done about 120 episodes of the Civil Engineering Podcast, and I think 50% of the guests have said Dale Carnegie in the book question, which just shows you that it's... A lot of people are interested in it, but like Bill said, there's a lot of common knowledge in it. You yes. would think that most people would do that, but again, every time I listen to the book, I come up with something different, I try it, I implement yeah. it, and it works. All right, Bill, so think back to one of your favorite managers that you've had in your career as an engineer. You don't have to name names unless you want to. Why was that person your favorite? What did he or she do to make them your favorite? So first, the ultimate manager my mother, right? Everyone needs to give credit to the mothers of the world. Sure. They're true managers, you know. But in business, you know, there was, I talked about my father. In the railroad business, I had uh, Jerry Kossel, Bob O'Leary. I can name names. I, I'm, sure. I'm fine with it. Dan Wessels, Jim McPhillips, General Meredith, and Bob Belfi when I was working on the city projects in Philadelphia. And then at Urban, I was ha lucky enough to have known the founders of the company our second generation owners, Ed and Joe, Ed Dialba and Joe McAtee. And uh, more recently, great professionals like um, Mysore Nakaraja, who was big at the MTA here in New York, Sal Mancini, a big construction company guy, and, and recently even Veronica Ronnie Hakem at the MTA. Those are people that I think we can aspire to follow, understand, and uh, see great trends in management. But little story, I, I had a gentleman who worked for me that I really admired a lot because of his, his listening skill and his teamwork. And you really only had to say one thing to him 
And next thing that you knew, it was done. Hmm. So the level of empathy and confidence and determination that he had in conducting himself in the way he conducted himself were traits I really admire and I, I still strive to accomplish today. So That's great. while communicating yeah. with colleagues, I think that ability to act, to listen and act is a tremendous skill. And I like what you said there at the end, kind of from flipping it around as a manager, Bill mentioned the importance of someone listening and kind of taking it in and taking action. Because you know, you're right, it's a, we're in a little bit of an information overload world, which you mentioned earlier when we were talking about all the information that's out there. So it is easy for people to lose focus. And if you're able to focus on your manager and the goals of the project, I think that can help you as an engineer in terms of progressing your career. I mean, obviously for Bill, this one person, you remember that person. Absolutely. Because of their attentiveness. So that's important. All right, I've got one final question. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds, Bill, with him or her, and you had to give them career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? Well, I would say, uh, you know, aim high. There's nothing that you can't do in your life if you try and never give up. Your accomplishment will be proportional to your hard work and determination. Every time that you think you've done it all, you'll find there's really another great challenge out there waiting for you. And you know, you can take it on. Never stop looking forward into the future. Sure. This is something that, that I really learned with the different big projects. I thought, my God, I've completed this big project. This is the career ending <laughs> job. And then, you know, realize that you and only you can control your career. If you need to change your situation, only you can do it. It's not necessarily by changing companies. It's really starting with you. So you have to do it yourself. Right. You know, you have to learn to get the work, to do the work, and to get paid. Right. <laughs> and you have to know how to advance yourself in your own organization. So, and if you really want to succeed, develop a formula for your company or organization that includes yourself in the concept. Those are the things that, that I would say to a young civil engineer as you move ahead and try to you know, advance your career. And I love that point about you know, you're in control of your career and you have to take control of it and you have to take action if you want to make changes or if you want to get somewhere. And you know, I agree with Bill. Taking action doesn't mean you have to leave a company to get to a goal. It may mean you just have to change things up or you have to do something different or add a new skill set. So, you know, you are in control and that's why we published this podcast to try to give you advice from people like Bill that have been successful in the industry so you can take some of that and then take action on it. Because you can listen to all the podcasts in the world, but if you don't take action on some of these things we're talking about, you may not really get to where you want to go. So Bill Thompson, Urban Engineers, thank you so much for spending some time on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate your coming in. Well, I hope you enjoyed our time with Bill Thompson today. I love it when People take complex things and put them into simple frameworks. And that's really what he did with the, some of that project management advice. And just his interview overall for me was very inspiring, sitting next to him, getting that information from someone who's put so much work into their career and have found success due to that. So that was very exciting. And also, I just want to reinforce that we do have that special opportunity available to those of you out there that are managers. And what I would consider a manager is somebody in our field that manages either a project or an individual. So if you have one person that reports to you or you're working on one project as a manager, then you can be a part of our current management abilities potential case study for the diagnostic tool that we're building. Why not diagnose yourself across the four key drivers of successful engineering managers that we found through our research? It won't take long. 
will simply send you the instructions of how you can have your reports assess you, your supervisor assess you, and you assess yourself. Just shoot a quick email to betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Again, that's betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Tell her you're interested in the CMAP case study. She'll send you the information and off we go. And you'll get some great information and we'll get some information to help us to tweak the tool that we plan to launch this fall. Also, just a reminder, because I've gotten some questions, our next Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop will be in September. The dates are posted on the website at engineertomanager.com. That's engineertomanager.com. So you can check them out there. And please remember that you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 121. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And these show notes can be helpful if you want to go back and look over some of the frameworks that Bill gave or any of the tools or books that people talk about. We do take the time to write these show notes out. Angelique in our office does a great job of helping with that. And she's awesome at that. You can also find this episode on our YouTube channel, which you can find at youtube.com forward slash engineering careers. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 